welcome to Solutions from the Yard, a candid discussion about life behind bars and its effect on society. We'll discuss reintegration or re-entry back into the community post-incarceration. Your host for this episode is Charles Hopkins. Welcome to this edition from Solutions from the Yard. My name is Charles Hopkins, and I'm joined with my cohort, Michael Dickerson Hill. Today we'll be exploring bad prison food. Solutions from the Yard seeks to examine all things relative to the criminal justice system, be it parole, probation, the BOP, FBI, whatever the case might be. So today we'll be talking about bad prison food. Now, in society and former vice, former uh, first lady, Michelle Obama, her one of her advocacies was nutritionally balanced meals, and she had came up with this concept of the plate. Well, we're looking at what is a nutritionally balanced meal look like in the prison system. According to the national, the food of national and national board of the National Academy of Science, they established what consists of a nutritionally balanced meal, and this is translated and transferred to the prison system. And according to them, uh, we are entitled to 2,762 calories per meal per day, per day. Here to talk about this with me, as I said earlier, is Michael Dickerson Hill. How you doing today, Dickerson Hill? I'm doing fine, bro. How are you? I'm great, bro. And both of us have uh, been incarcerated for lifting periods of time. So we could be considered experts on what bad prison food looks like and what bad prison food tastes like. And more importantly, the effects of bad prison food. Dickerson Hill, uh, tell our audience, uh, where was you housed at? during your conservation period as far as was you in the state system or the federal system? Uh, well, I first started at the beginning of my incarceration. I started in the Merlin Correctional System, and then I was transferred back to, I came to Lawton for a brief stint before it got shut down. Then I went back to the Merlin System. Then once I finished my time in the Merlin System, I had, uh, I had went, uh, got shipped to the feds because Lawton was shut down mm-hmm. at the time. And during that, that time, that's was, that was, I want to say before, you know, people don't want to call it that, but the recession of 2008, right. you know, when I came into the federal system, the food was uh, much better in 2005. It mm-hmm. was much better. But after 2008, it was a drastic change. All right, let's, th- let's talk about that. Now, we... Recognize that in the prison system, they have five. They have like a five-cycle menu, and in the five-cycle menu, they have a series of items that they serve for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And each menu, they have the portion size, and the portion size supposed to represent the portion size of what would constitute the calorie intake per day in regard to breakfast per day, in regard to lunch. From your own personal experience, uh, Dixon Hill, let's, let's, look at some, let's look at some of the menu. Now, you have before you, what cycle menu you have before you? Uh, week one. Week one of, uh, of uh, the Federal Bureau of Prisons. Okay, and go down, go examine, let's look, talk about the breakfast. What's, what's on the breakfast? Uh, for Sunday, 
The breakfast is fresh apple, pack of brand cereal. That's like that little bowl of cereal mm-hmm. you just tear the top off. Three slices of bread, two cups of skim milk, one cup of coffee, one pack of jelly, one of those little teeny square packs that you get like at a diner, mm-hmm. and two of those little slices of margarine. Right. And then on for for Sunday for for lunch you have a fresh apple, Spanish omelet, potatoes, a pack of cream of wheat, three slices of bread, two cups of skim milk, two packs of jelly, two slices of margarine, and a kosher beverage. Okay, and, and dinner. And dinner is spaghetti with meatballs, tomato sauce. Sweet peas, three slices of bread, two slices of margarine, fresh apple, and a kosher beverage. Now, if you was to listen to this menu as it was being read, and for a person that not present when this stuff is being served, you ultimately envision a real kosher, nice, healthy, calorie, protein-infused meal. Dixon Hill, educate the audience on what some of these things look like. For example, uh, when they say a Spanish omelet, what, what what would be would this what would a Spanish omelet be in the in the prison system? Would it be actually uh, all the ingredients of an omelet, such as the tomatoes, the meat, the onion saute, the peppers, and the egg slightly tossed over with a little cheese cheddar. Ch- you know, chased on top of it. Oh, what would it look like? Oh man, well to be truthfully honest, man, and I'm not gonna put uh, you know, a whole. I'm not gonna put no exaggeration on it, brother. Truth be told, it depends on the ingredients. Now, let me give you something brief. I worked in the kitchen before. Mm-hmm. Whoever's the cook, the head cook, they give the head cook all the ingredients that's supposed to go into it. They're going to give them the the tomatoes, the onions, the green peppers, the cheese. They're going to give them everything. But this is where the catch at. Now, nine times out of ten, all those things that I named won't be in the omelet because the majority of it is going to get stolen Mm. by the other kitchen workers because they're going to take that and sell it on the compound for, you know, for prison money. So nine times out of ten, man, you might be lucky. You might get some onions in it and you might get some cheese. But basically, it's just, a, you know, some eggs with maybe some onions and maybe some cheese in it. It depends on uh, what the person needed at the time. If it was, if it was, it was a need for some onions, the onions might never make it in the omelet. Right. So basically, and then they call it a Spanish omelet because they might put a side of uh, that, um, that little salsa mm-hmm. on the side. <laughs> And then they call it a Spanish omelet because they put some salsa right there. It's nothing but an omelet with some salsa. <laughs> and and we recognize that, you know, in like you say, in terms of the uh, prison industrial complex and mass incarceration, that uh, the need for people to uh, supplement their income by virtue of what they be what they're going through. This is the kitchen is like the main place that most people go. But the issue is in terms of no matter what we what happens, at the end of the day, are uh, the people receiving two thousand seven hundred and sixty-two 
calories per day. Even with the thievery or without the thievery, is from your knowledge, is that is that something that we can accurately say take place? No. Okay, and and, and the reason being, um, uh, the reason being because you know you can you got all different types of brands of food, mm-hmm. and you have uh you know um like saying like if you have a, a nice real beef hamburger, you know. And it's a nice size, like an inch thick, you know. Right. Now, that might have a certain amount of calories in it. But when you're getting, uh, they buying this box brand stuff and it, 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 the, the hamburger might be one fourth of an inch right, wide. Right, right. So it can't be but so many calories in it, you know, because they, they, they try to buy the cheapest food they can. Exactly. And with, by, the, by them doing the buying the cheapest food they can, it's not going to meet that requirement. It's impossible, and I and I know when we when I was incarcerated and in the Maryland prison system, like you said, I went in, I lock, got locked up, and I went to the Maryland prison penitentiary in '73. When I and in the county jail, the food was different, had a better quality. When I went to penitentiary in '73, the food had a better quality because primarily they still had the farm system up, and they was basically getting their food from a farming system that was directly related to the Department of Correction. But in the early, the late 70s and early 80s, they started coming over for concept of uh, bologna and cheese for lunch. They had a standard menu where everything was limited in terms of breakfast and lunch. And when the, when dinner time come, they would give you bulk, they would bulk you up on starches, uh, some kind of potato, uh, some kind of pasta, some kind of rice, and like you like you were saying about the meat products, the meat products would be, if nine times out of ten would be soy or some derivative thereof. So in terms of the the, the nutritional value of the diet that we were receiving, you couldn't no way, shape, or form identify the such. But let's go, let's examine this here because they, according to the Food and Drug Administration. Everybody's supposed to receive a nutritionally balanced diet. Now, and the calorie count, as I outlined, is is indicative of what they consider. Have you ever been on lockup? Yes, I have. And what kind of, and and in terms of being on lockup, you got when the jail is locked down versus like you over there because you caught a shot and the shot being a, a disciplinary infraction. All right. Have you ever been, have you ever been in an environment where the jail was locked down? Yes. And what kind of food did they serve then? Uh, bag lunches. Sometimes they might give you a bologna and cheese sandwich. Sometimes they might just give you a cheese sandwich um, with a piece of fruit and maybe a, a, a little muffin or something like that. But it's nothing like the same meal that you would get if you was out on the compound. The meal is definitely reduced drastically. And, and, uh, and in terms of in your environment, in the prison environment, what type of effect did this have on the men in, in general or in, in their environment in general? Mainly when it came to uh, being locked down and, 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 and they bring them bag lunches around. Oh, it, it, it was a great effect on the men because, you know, you be hungry. Yeah. <laughs> that stuff ain't going to fill you up, man. You know, you like breakfast time, they give you an apple and then they give you one of them little small, uh, you know, travel size cereals that be in a little bowl. 
with two milks and maybe a muffin or something. They ain't gonna do nothing for no grown man. Right. And I know that when we was in uh when I was in North Branch, that's North Branch's correctional facility in Cumberland, and the jail was locked down. We was locked down for nine months. And in the nine months that we were locked down, this was the this was the menu, this what they brought in. Breakfast was two boiled eggs, two pieces of bread, some butter, and jelly and milk. That was breakfast. Lunch was bologna and cheese, some kind of a bag of potato chips, uh, maybe a, a fresh fruit that was and milk. Dinner was they might bring you some kind of cold something and give it to you. This was this went on for nine months straight. So we had so many little things of jelly that when we finally got out and they let us like uh, systematically come out, people would bring big bags of. Jelly that they had saved up the little the little uh, packs, packs of jelly, of jelly. Mm-hmm. yeah they had saved up just was like that was like just throw leave it in the day room, but in terms of the the, the effect of that was a lot of individuals uh, caught became diabetic, a lot of individuals uh, got ulcers, a lot of individuals like it was in a lot of gluttony because they when we got back in the in the main line, all you seen was dudes taking like it's getting as much bread. As they could, and like try to smuggle it back to the cell, and and eat they eat ate the bread like that, or because they had jelly, they would eat endlessly jelly sandwiches, all that starch in their body. But let's let's look let's dig a little deep in this, in in terms of uh, the bad prison food and the environments that you've been in. Have you ever have you ever witnessed any the health effect of the bad prison food, or have you ever been in, con- in contact or been around somebody that had like or develop some type of uh, ailment as a result of their diet, dietary habits. Oh, of course, um, you know it's it's a study that I, I had um, that I was researching before, and it was talking about how processed meats um, is is um, a cause of type two diabetes and certain types of cancer, and that's all they serve in prison is processed meats. And you know, one thing you you did the the pill line. It's almost mm-hmm. just as long as the child yeah, line, yeah, yeah. you know, because you have so many brothers, man, that they come to prison. They don't even have diabetes, but wind up contracting diabetes while they in prison. And a lot of that comes is due to the food that they eating. And I and I when I when I got locked up, I didn't have diabetes. When I got out and I finally got and the whole time I'm in, they give you a physical when you reach a certain age, they give you a physical Every six months. So once I reached that age of where I would get a physical every six months, I was getting a physical every six months. They were taking blood. They were taking my vitals, they, my vision. And at almost, after I was locked up about 37 years, they diagnosed me with diabetes. And, and I remember when I was uh, going to get an exam, and the woman looked in my eyes and asked me, said, do you have diabetes? I said, no, nah, I don't got no diabetes, but she could see from my pupil or she would see from my eyes that I had early symptoms of diabetes. Mm-hmm. And when I got out, that's when I started getting, realizing the extent of it and started getting treatment for it. But in terms of, have you ever noticed of anybody that had contracted or, or got cancer, was cancer patient or received or had a cancer situation as a result of being a conservative and, and dietary related? Uh, numerous of people. Um, I was in 
an institution. I don't want to say the institution name, but I was in the institution. It was a medical institution. And that institution, no exaggeration, it was like almost once a week people was dying. You know, a lot of people died from cancer and, uh, you know, things of that nature, all different types of health ailments. It was a few suicides in the prison because the uh, brothers knew that, you know, they was already uh, um, diagnosed as being terminally ill. So they took their own lives. So, you know, and most of them guys was was incarcerated for for long stints of time. And and uh, and I recognize that when I was incarcerated that uh, I've, I've come across a couple of guys that had died from cancer and. One guy I know, he he, had, he uh, died from cancer. We was in Supermax together, and the whole time he was in Supermax, he was going to medical, and they was telling him that he had uh, gas, that his stomach, he was complaining about his stomach, and they was telling him that he had gas, they was giving him Maalox. And the entire time he was in Supermax, like, I did four and a half years, that he was like this, I'm like almost six years. When he got out, I was, we was talking, I was looking for him one day, and I asked somebody where he was at, he said, oh, he over in the hospital with a bleeding ulcer. I'm saying a bleeding ulcer, how do you get, you get a bleeding ulcer, you don't get a bleeding ulcer, over. that's just a progression, and when he, he passed away, but it was a person, individual who was over there with him when he was in there, and they said that uh, because of his diet, because of the entire time he was on in Supermax, and the, and the Supermax meals consisted primarily of processed foods, because uh, at that time they had con- outsourced and contracted with a private food a- entity, and their goal was to provide so many meals, not so many calories, but so many meals per day. They weren't on calorie count. They was like, we got 600 people, we got to give, that's what, uh, 900 meals a day. Make sure that everybody get a meal every day. And as a result of that, this person contracted cancer from the dietary. But and, and have, from your own personal experience, have, how did you deal with your your uh, your dietary situation? How were you able to like uh, maintain a monocle of of health in terms of your eating habits? Uh, well, my thing was I tried to stay out of the kitchen and the institutions as much as possible, and I only went in there when it was like certain meals that I ate because. I had uh, in 2004, I had stopped eating um, any type of red meat and processed meats. The only thing that I was eating was uh, either soy products, um, fish, and sometimes chicken. And my whole diet really consisted of really me just uh, purchasing the food off a of commissary. And that's what I mostly ate. I ate the food off a of commissary. I tried to stay out of the kitchen as much as possible. And the only time that meal that I would regularly go in the kitchen was breakfast because I can get some type of hot cereal like uh, oatmeal, you know, get me some milk or something like that or some fruit because you're going to be guaranteed you're going to get some fruit and, uh, you know, some oatmeal, stuff like that. And I, that's why I tried to always go to breakfast because I would get some type of hot cereal. But as far as lunch and dinner, that was a toss up. I mm-hmm. mostly ate uh, what we call eating it out, of, eating out of your locker. Yeah, you know all the food that I purchased off of commissary, I basically ate that. And for truth be told, that's really nothing but junk food. Mm-hmm. And I and I, I experienced the same thing. I know in the first 
10 years of my uh, incarceration, I didn't eat no meats. And I was really into, like, uh, physical fitness. And they didn't have no no vegetarian diet then. Like, they got now in, in certain situations, they got what they call kosher meals and vegetarian. Most people get on the kosher because the kosher is nutritionally balanced in terms of the value of the food that's being offered. But I noticed that the entire time I was incarcerated, obesity was one of the things I really witnessed a lot of. I mean, I, I used to see people that uh, was that, that maybe being like 27. They looked like they was every bit of 45. They, their mm. weight size, and, and the reason why, because every time they went in the kitchen, it wasn't so much as how nutritionally valued the food was or how good the food looked. How appetizing the food, they were just straight hungry. Mm. And being straight hungry, they just say, well, I'm going to consume, I'm going to eat. And they would go around and ask you for, you, you eating that? Or you eating that? And, and, that's, and that's, that's the result of the bad prison food and the food not being nutritionally balanced. Because if the food is nutritionally balanced, then it's going to fill you up. It's going to give you the, the energy and it's going to give you the strength that you're going to need to maintain that day until you get the next meal. Uh, Let's 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 look at some of the things that uh, can be done about the uh, the food situation in prison and the lack of attention to making sure that men and women in prison get a nutritionally balanced. You have any ideas on some of the things that you think should be done or could be done? Uh, well, uh, this is touchy. That's a touchy subject, mm. but. I'm going to try to elaborate on as much as possible without uh, speaking radical. Um, <laughs> uh, the the problem with the, I, w- I would say the problem with the um, the prison food system, like, and you know, in any prison, each, um, what I want to say, section of the prison, like the kitchen, the gym, uh, the library, all the, the school building, all of them have what you call a budget. And that budget is uh, federally funded, and mm-hmm. everybody get their budget, how much they can spend in the library for getting books or, you know, the gym, how much money they can spend to get equipment. The kitchen has a budget. Now, what I've saw over the years, how that budget is uh, what I want to say, um, you know, fractioned off and how they purchase the food. Now, when you go to the, it's called the ODR, where the, the COs eat at, the correctional officers That's right, eat, talk about They have the top flight food. They got fried chicken. They got steaks. They got all the top flight food for the COs. But the same money that's, you know, divided for the budget for the kitchen is the same money that we supposed to have. But they get. The correctional officers, all the top flight food, broccoli, asparagus, all yeah, the good right, stuff. That's right, that's right. And they, you know, you go past the, the, the CO's kitchen, the correctional <laughs> officer's kitchen, and you see them eating and you, they look like they're in a restaurant somewhere. Yeah, that's right. So, but when you see the food that we get, you know, it looked like something that they didn't, you know, flew in with a helicopter and just <laughs> let it go and you just hit the ground and everybody's scrambling to come get it. That's right. And, 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 you know, they, they, it's like, uh, you know, that, 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 that money 
it's no different from anything else in the government, man. If 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 I ask the government for a hundred thousand dollars to pave the road, and I can get the cheapest contractor I can get, mm-hmm. I can find me a contractor that's only going to do it for uh sixty thousand dollars, and somewhere magically the forty just you know it it, it disappears. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a pickup truck or the new deck on my on on this house or yeah, something, right, you know. And and it just magically disappears. And that's what happens with the prison system. They buy the cheapest food they can possibly get. I'm talking about the bottom of a barrel. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I worked in the kitchen before. And there's numerous times I done seen on the boxes when they come in from, you know, the warehouses, wherever they come from. And it says, for prison consumption only. Mm. And when that was brought to the 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 uh, stewardess' attention, somebody said, "Man, why these boxes got for only prisons? Prisons only." They immediately snatched all the stickers off. Right. And every time the truck came in, they made sure they gave one of the little top dancers. They told him, "Hey, before you bring the boxes into the kitchen, snatch all them stickers mm-hmm. off." You know, and, and 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 that's the thing, man. You know, they they. You know, you know how I go. It, it's just, it's, it's, it's a rat race. And yeah, and it, they monetize once they monetize once they monetize prison food, which you made a good point on the the food that the old that they serve in ODR and how the food they serve in ODR is more wholesome than the food they serve the the prison population. And I think that when we look at the solutions, we need we need budget oversight. We need account. We need to have accountability and and. And everyone that's incarcerated, you need to get your family to ask for budget oversight and budget equity and to be able to look at some of the problems that's associated with bad prison food because once the person that's suffered from that, when you get out, you got medical, you got medical expenses that you're going to have to use because you didn't contract a commutable disease as a result of bad prison food, be it hepatitis, be it uh, diabetes, be it high cholesterol, be it any number of those things, stress, uh, any number of those things gonna come out of that. But in in wrapping this up, uh, Dickinson Hill, what you, you got? To, you got uh, something to say in, in closing? Uh, well, the thing that I want to say when it comes to our topic for tonight is, you know, uh, you really have to be conscious on. What you were eating, mm-hmm. you know, and you really have to do your own research, just like I did my own research, and that's one of the things that it keep you, uh, what I want to say, healthy to some extent. Yeah. And like you said, we gotta, uh, we gotta really p- uh, press the issue on these budgets, you know, because you know people don't pay no attention to that. You know, they they take take they take you, lock you up, throw away the key. And then, you know, nobody don't care what's going on in the inside. But then when you have your family members coming home and they have all these health ailments, and I'm quite sure you heard of a lot of brothers and sisters, man, that came home and they didn't die soon. They come home, mm-hmm. you know, after doing 30 years, 40 years. So these things that, man, that need to be brought to the table on how they spend their money in supplying us with food. There you have it. Solutions from the yard. The solution being, one, educate yourself on what you eat, as Elijah Muhammad said, how to eat to live. Two, 
become more aware of the monies that's being spent, how they're monetizing the food service, and more importantly, be aware of what you eat. It's how to eat to live, and in a prison environment, you're going to have to learn how to eat to live because they've got bad prison food, and it's all designed to kill you. Thank you. You've been listening to Solutions from the Yard. This podcast is presented by Voices for a Second Chance, a comprehensive re-entry program that provides culturally appropriate, trauma-informed, gender-specific, and peer-based services. For more information, go to info at vscdc.org or visit our website at www.vscdc.org.